You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and I'm joined today with Laura Rob. This is the Rob Review Podcast. Welcome, Laura. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Evan. And I know you're going to laugh when I say not only is this one of my favorite topics, but it is extremely important. Yeah, I am always. Uh, I guess I always figure that it's going to be your favorite topic, which is <laughs> which is wonderful. Uh, but this actually really is an exciting topic because today we're going to talk about volume and how reading volume um, impacts progress with reading. And you know, I always like to tell a story, Mom, before we begin the podcast. And when I think back to my wonderful middle school years, I had no connection that volume in reading would make you better. And you know, part of that is because I never read, and you know, I've told our listeners that many, many times. Uh, but also, the only time that I would ever make a connection to the word volume would have been in math class where um, I would do a little uh, computation and figure out the, uh, the volume of objects. I don't know. What do you think about that, Laura? Well, Evan, it's pretty sad, but you want to know something? It hasn't changed enough to make me and a lot of other researchers happy. You know, I wasn't really good at math back in middle school either. Um, I was much less likely to follow the steps and a lot more likely to, to do what we call in the country just a little figure and kind of figure out how to, how to get those answers. But anyway, we're off topic, so let's get back on topic and talk about volume in reading and why that matters. And part of the basis of this podcast is something very, very simple. And Laura, you remind me of this many, many times, and it's, it's this. That to get better at anything, you need to practice. And you need a lot of practice, which is what I call volume. You know, you can't be a great football player, basketball player, soccer player, unless you practice an enormous amount. The same for any musical instrument, uh, for a career. The amount of effort and practice you put into something is directly correlated with how much you progress. Yeah, and I think one of the things that that you would agree with is that there needs to be more practice and more um, reading occurring in schools all across America and across the world. Absolutely. We look for little magic fixes, uh, you know, a program or this computer thing. You know, basically, it's two things. A highly skilled teacher and a lot of books available for kids that are relevant to them and that they can read. We have a couple points today that we'd like to share with our listeners that have to do with ways to increase volume of reading in schools. And the first point I'm going to let you begin with, and I'll say a little more, is that a lot of this is in the hands of the principal, that in terms of whether the principal supports reading in a building, does not support reading, or, or maybe even more sad, just simply ignores reading. Absolutely, Evan. You know, you can't have volume in reading if you don't have books. And you're not going to have rich classroom libraries and an outstanding central library collection unless the principal sets funds aside annually for purchase of books. Yeah, I think it's really powerful. You know, I can say, you know, from the principal standpoint, there's a, a lot of factors, a lot of things compete with the sometimes limited resource that a school has. But it's important to put money where you have a priority. 
and reading certainly should be a priority. And, and Laura and I both encourage principals to reflect on their budgets and see if there's some additional ways that more funds can be put in place to support reading within your school. Absolutely, Evan. And it's not like I just give a one-time shot. It has to be given every year. I, You know, a lot of schools start out with class libraries of five or 600 books. Ideally, I want them to have 1,500 to 2,000 books. Not in a year, but give yourself four to five years, which means funding is necessary. Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, Laura, you always remind me that you know, professional learning cannot be a one-shot deal, and, and certainly um, the influx of money to support books in the building couldn't be a one-shot deal either. They both need to be ongoing. Absolutely. And, you know, new books come out. The kids want to read new series, new authors, and libraries need to be current. Another point is that the principal can create schedules or certainly has the ability to adjust schedules that may allow for more reading in the building and more instructional reading also to occur within the building. Absolutely, Evan. And, you know, I think they have more flexibility in elementary school. And when you have 120 minutes a day for reading and writing, teachers need to be able to set aside time for independent self-selected reading as well as instructional reading because a combination of the, both of those can give uh, students a lot of reading book time during the school day. Yeah, and it's important, you know, if more time is allotted for reading, it doesn't necessarily mean that kids are on a particular reading program more. We are talking about increasing time for independent reading and purposeful teacher-driven instructional reading within the classroom. And it's important that building leaders communicate to teachers that it is okay to walk into a classroom and see kids reading. And it's even fine also to come into a classroom and see the teacher reading along with the students. Absolutely. That, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of education is happening in that. They're developing stamina, the ability to focus and concentrate. They're building their vocabulary. They're building background knowledge. What they're also doing, Evan, is developing the habit of reading and enjoying it so they begin to read at home. Yeah, and you know, and it's really important for students to see their teacher engaging in reading. I think that sends a very powerful message. It absolutely does. And when the principal and the teacher uh, value independent reading and you walk into their class and you see that happening, that translates uh, directly to the students that this is something important and something they need to invest in. Now, point number three that we want to discuss is that we want to help teachers and we want build, we encourage buildings to understand the research about independent reading um, as a way of communicating to families and, and as a way of uh, collaborating to build that reading culture within a building. Absolutely, Evan. So, so our point number four is um, when a habit to read is developed in a school, it is more likely that students will continue to read outside of school. Okay, and you know, we know that the number of minutes students read, according to the research, is crucial for the number of words that they 
read each year. So if you have 15 minutes of independent reading and 20 minutes of instructional reading, that's 35 minutes a day at school. And if the students read another 20 minutes at home, we are at the point in the research where they are coming uh, in contact with, over the year, more than 4 million words in different contexts, in different situations. Um, and that's how we build, they build vocabulary. That's how they build stamina. Very important. And it leads to critical thinking as a reader as well. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. You know, when I think back, you know, to my middle school, I really, unfortunately, I learned to enjoy doing worksheets at school. And lo and behold, I used to like to do worksheets a lot when I was at home. But that was probably not really well directed in terms of my learning. Right. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point because when you when you move into a school, like I've had this experience, and you take the worksheets away from the children and you're asking them to read and use a reader's notebook and have original thoughts and uh, and analyze what the author is saying, that's work. The worksheets, filling in a blank, checking, they don't care what they do. They just get rid of it and get it done. Um, but they like it because it's easy. And that's a lot of reasons why teachers like it, because it's easy. But the question is, is it building school filled with readers. That's really important and that speaks to the value of a teacher as a learner and it speaks to the importance of being you know a reflective practitioner but we want to just again recapture our point number four that we just shared which is when a school helps kids build a habit of reading by being very focused on reading within the building by having time for kids to read within the building it increases the likelihood that students will read at home, which brings us now to point number five, and we encourage schools to invest in classroom libraries and school libraries um, to have more and more books so books can be checked out by students and taken home. Absolutely. There are children, for whatever reason, who don't have books in the home, and Schools need to open the class library and the school library and let these students take books home at, at night on the weekend over holidays. And I'm a big proponent, proponent of schools having that school library open for X number of hours during the summer so children can go in and check out books and return books. Yeah, I think that's really important. And that's something that school divisions can reflect on because uh, we are certainly not advocating for uh, librarians to be working when they are not on their contract. But we do believe that having additional days for librarians to be contracted in the summertime to keep the library open for some summer hours is time very, very well spent. Absolutely. And, you know, it could be two or three t mornings a week uh, for a month. Uh, and once family know, families know the hours, they can get there and they can check out and books. And they're very comfortable in their school library. So, you know, I have to say something. Volume in reading matters for all students. I, it matters for the child in fifth through eighth grade who is a developing reader and comes into fifth grade reading on a first grade level. Volume can make a difference in their reading progress. And we have to beware that we take these children who are developing readers and put them on, you know, skill and drill uh, kind of um, class practice. It's not going to advance reading. Richard Allington has research shows that. Mary Howard has said that time and again. 
all educators who know that reading matters know that every child has a right to read at school and they have a right for the school to have materials and books that they can read and want to read. Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really profound statement. You know, in, in a lot of schools, kids who are the weakest readers take additional classes on reading, and so they have more opportunity to work on and to practice their reading. But there's a presumption that because kids aren't weak, they can do other things. They don't have to read as much. And, and what I'm hearing from you is it matters for everyone, from your weakest reader to the best readers within a building. Everyone will improve if they're reading more. Absolutely. Look, I'll go back to my sports and uh, metaphor. So, you know, you've become a really terrific all-star tennis player, and you just decide, well, I'm not going to practice for six weeks. And you go into competition. What's going to happen? Your game's going to be off. Your muscle memory is not going to be as fast. Uh, you're going to miss a lot of uh, balls that are thrown to you. It's the same thing with reading. Stop reading and uh, you know, Richard Allington called it the backward slide, and you slide backwards. Well, there you have it, Laura. You shared some really great wisdom on this podcast, and I appreciate it and appreciate the conversation and appreciate uh, the passion that you have for independent reading. And I appreciate, Evan, the fact that you love reading and realize how important it is and that in your school you promote reading across the curriculum. You budget money for books, for class libraries, and your school library. Well, thank you very much for saying that, and I'll slip you $10 after the podcast <laughs> is over. Laura, this wraps up the Rob Review podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. We hope all of our listeners enjoyed the Rob Review podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again and see you next time.